You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode four of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm an author, interviewer and journalist and I'm here to chat to the wonderfully talented photographer, Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? Good, good. What have you been up to this week? Oh my God, it's been a busy week. Too much to even start. <laughs> okay, that, that very descriptive. But so let's get straight into the podcast. This podcast for you know new listeners is meant to be all about the wonderful world of photography and we are going to delve into everything from what it takes to become a successful photographer to you know how to get the best shot to all the tips and techniques that Gina can download to us you know as I attempt to extract this information from her uh, um, about all the different, you know, scenarios and situations and techniques and, and tips that, that Gina can share with us to take better shots and be fabulous photographers. Now, I will admit that I am, I'm what would be described as an enthusiast. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm certainly nowhere near Gina's pro level, but the great thing about doing this podcast with Gina and also being uh, one of Gina's friends is that <laughs> I can um, ask her questions at any time. So <laughs> I'm very keen to explore all the things that we're going to cover in this podcast. Now, Gina, I browse through the internet and I, you know, when I'm not watching cat videos on YouTube yeah. mm-hmm. or, or uploading cat videos on YouTube, I'm I'm reading stuff that interests me and that often includes photography. And I came across this link uh, and it was a, a story about a musician called Ryan Adams mm-hmm. who stopped his show to yell at a fan because the fla- the fan was, you know, taking photos, but taking photos with a flash. Mm-hmm. And the flash, uh, Ryan Adams says, triggers his Meniere's disease. I'm not actually sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's Meniere's disease. We'll put the link in the show notes. And, and it's an inner ear disorder that can lead to episodes of vertigo. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a bit unfortunate, but I was wondering, have you been in a situation where, because I know you photographed bands and you Mm. photographed, you know, people on stage and stuff like that, where somebody has basically told you to, you know, (laughs) go away. That's the kind (laughs) way of putting it or, you know, to stop because you're distracting them or whatever. I haven't been told mid-shoot, but I have been told off at the end of a shoot and it was um, really early on in my career. I was very green and it was one of the one of my first PR shot, uh, jobs and it was at the press club in Melbourne and I was photographing one of our former prime ministers. Uh, John Howard was up on stage oh, giving yes. a speech and uh, the PR agent who had hired me was also at the lunch and he was at the back of the room watching over while I was shooting and so I was so keen to impress him and I was there. I had my big flash on my camera (laughs) and it was like the big powerful one and I was shooting film so Mm. I was okay. I I, I really wanted to make sure I got the shot so I I had it at full power and so I was bumping all this flash and boom, boom, boom. Boom and <laughs> and um, uh, like a, a, a few minutes in, as he was shooting, because I really wanted to make sure I got the shots. So I was just like you know firing away, firing away, and you know John Howard's reading his speech, and 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 I'd look over and at the back of the room to to the guy that hired me, and he'd nod. He'd just give this like this little nod, and to me, I I interpreted the nod as. Great work, Gina. Keep going. <laughs> keep, keep blasting. So I kept going and then I'd turn around. There'd be another nod, but it was a bit more enthusiastic this time, the nod. I took that as keep going. 
<laughs> You're doing even better. <laughs> you gotta go for it. Go for it. It was an enthusiastic nod. And so I kept going. And then, you know when you can feel that someone's looking at you? Yes. Have you ever had that feeling yes. when you've got your back to them? Yes. I had that feeling. Oh. So I'm like, I turn around and instead of nodding, uh, my PR guy is just like making a line across his neck like, cut it out, <laughs> get off, get off. And so I'm like, oh, oh, stop, stop, stop. And then afterwards he said, you know, the poor guy, I think you nearly blinded him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did John Howard look perturbed? No, he was good. He was really professional and uh, I got to meet him at the end and, and shook his hand and he didn't, he didn't actually say anything. Like he didn't say like you nearly blinded me. But th- th- that was a good lesson and, and probably a good way to learn. And so now I teach um, a lot of my, my, my students to... If you're ever doing a PR shoot or something like that, um, you need to be uh, really sensitive towards the, p- the person who's reading uh, mm. at the time and you don't want to be flashing because that can, that can you know, really interrupt their vision and, 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 you know, stop them from giving a good speech because it's really off-putting having something flashing in your face and at the whole time. So I suggest they, they, they don't try not to use any flash and just shoot um, without the flash a, a higher ISO or... Minimum three shots, get off. That's it. Yeah. Don't don't push it. Yeah. And the other thing though as well because um, what I notice is that the good photographers know that they need to be, you know, not part of the performance but um, blend in the background. And so the smart ones wear black or, yes. or neutral colours. But I can always tell when there's a newbie photographer or, you know, because he or she is in colourful Hawaiian shirts or, yeah, you know. Yeah, right, and they stand out so everyone's staring at them and then they might be wearing, um, you know, there's a certain sole of shoe that you should wear if you're going to be walking across a stage or yeah. walking in front. Um, you know, not not the ones that make that tick, 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 tick sound that everyone can hear yeah. and every or squeaky shoes <laughs> the worst because everyone turns around and stares at you. So. Or really jangly jewellery. I was in an event uh, the other yes. day where the photographer was just on stage and she just jingled all over the stage and you kind of took the took the spotlight away from the keynote speaker. Yes. But it's interesting those sorts of situations because, you know, if you're at an event like you're at, at a Katy Perry concert or a One Direction concert or a yeah. Dire Straits concert if you're that demographic, but sometimes you are only given... 30 seconds or 60 seconds to be in the pit or to be on the stage and you've got to get your shot in that time. Is that like pressure? Yeah, it is. It's pressure. And then, and then you've got to stand your ground and make sure that someone doesn't stand in front of you. Um, Back in the day, there was like a real sort of system that we had amongst all the photographers where, where like if you had your spot, that was your spot for the mm. night and no one would take it. There was like a code. Um, but, but today it's a free-for-all and, and, and so, you know, people will get in front of you and, and it depends who it is, but it can, it can be really uh, brutal in there. I haven't done a, a me- a, like a media scrum like that for mm. years and years and years, but I just remember doing one after, uh, after it had been a while since I'd been in one and I'm like thinking, wow, things have, <laughs> things have changed. So you've got to sort of like, you know, muscle in basically yeah. and just hold your ground and, and it can be it can be really vicious. Where did manners go, huh? Well, yeah, <laughs> it's like that. But it's, what's great is I, I have noticed that, you know, amongst the Melbourne social set that, that I might mix with sometimes as social photographers, we all know each other really well and uh, what's been really good is I've noticed that we can all work together and, and so if we've got like a really big name and there might be seven of us and we all need to get the shot, we've actually worked together and said okay so Jimmy goes first then we'll get Julie and then you shoot then you shoot or one of us will get in and pose them all Mm. and then and then we'll all take turns um um shooting and then we'll all look out for each other which has been really nice because you'll see that someone's missed out on the shot and the talent's about to go Mm. and the other older ones will say hang on mate hang on just settle down come back and then and then point to the photographer that we know didn't get the shot and make sure that they look that way so that they get the shot, which is, I think, so sweet. Yes. And, and so it's nice to see that. But then I've seen other times when it's like, nah. <laughs> but so, sometimes you can also tell when there is a media pack or a 
a, a bank of photographers. You can sometimes tell the newbie photographer because when you're dealing with celebrities who are just used to it, you know, they're used to being shot um, on the red carpet or whatever, and they just know that they stand there and it's it's fascinating to see them when they're in a group like you know they're like one direction or whatever yeah and they start on the right and they look at that photographer and they slowly like those clowns at luna park they slowly move their head so that every single photographer gets the shot and you can kind of tell the newbie photographer because he's he's somewhere in the pack you know yelling angelina angelina over here (laughs) but the thing is angelina's gonna look at him anyway (laughs) so you know it's it's yeah read the crowd and see whether the celebrities are savvy enough to you know most of them are savvy enough to be able to do that you know, clown head turning thing, and you can tell the newbie celebrity yes. um, straight away because they'll they'll look at it in every direction. Whatever you know, they, they're the ones with the rabbit in the spotlight. Look, yeah. going where do I look? Who do I look at? And you know that they haven't quite got it together. Uh, yeah, whereas there is a system to the red carpet. There is a definitely is a system, and then you notice that the really good celebrities are the ones that get on there and they have one look and yeah. that's what they show and so that they know that no matter who's photographing them, they will always get a good shot. You won't be able to get a bad angle because they know how to work it. Mm-mm. I was um, looking around the internet and I also came across a link about um, a CNN cameraman who pits his iPhone 6 against a standard issue broadcast camera. Now, I know that only last week you got your uh-huh. brand new iPhone 6 because you sent me photo, slow-mo photo, um, <laughs> slow-mo videos of your dog running I towards did. you a la Chariots of Fire. That's the soundtrack. <laughs> so what have you played around with it enough to, to give us your opinion of where, how it rates against a regular camera? So um, I've, I've tested it out. The first thing I took some footage of was tea being poured into a cup and then mm. just showed it to a few people and we all went, oh, my God, that's the sexiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I did um, someone flicking their hair. Oh, yes. And that in slow-mo looks amazing. And, uh, and then I did uh, the dog. And so the actual slow-mo and the movie camera is, is pretty good. And, um, but, like, um, it's, not, it's never going to be as good as a real camera. But obviously – but sometimes the best camera is the one you've got on you. Um, the actual stills camera, uh, skin tone not as good. As? Not as good as what? The, as the one I had before, the 5. Really? As, yeah, a bit blotchy. Oh. They've changed something in the way they process the JPEG, mm. um, and so you 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 don't get as nice a skin tone. And there's a few photographers that are complaining about that. And if you check out the blogs, it's like they're not they're not happy about that. That's disappointing. Yeah, definitely. What mm. about all of those selfies that people want to take? <laughs> I know they'll be just really really disappointed, or there'll be fifteen um, filters put across yeah, the uh, the top of it so but you know as a as a uh, a camera it, it's pretty good i've went with the plus which i'm still um not sure about uh, oh no. the, the big iphone yeah, 6 yeah. why aren't you yeah. sure about it well because it's big well yeah so at the moment now i'm carrying both your old Cause, phone and your new yeah, phone. Yeah, because I have trouble letting go. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Did they I, both ring? <laughs> no, no, only one rings. But, yeah, I, I kind of still like the camera on the old one. I'm, I'm yet to really properly give this a good – this one in low light, apparently much better. Mm. So the new one in low light. So I'll, I'll do a proper test um, on the weekend, see how it goes. Okay. Can't wait to hear a little about it. <laughs> so – This episode, we want to talk about finding clients and getting paid work. Now, in other episodes, we will be talking about techniques in photography and, you know, ideas and tips and tricks. But this particular episode, we thought we would focus on getting paid work. And because there are a lot of people who, you know, are already getting paid work and that's fantastic. But there are some photographers who aren't enthusiasts like mm. me but they would like to you know make some money from their from their enthusiasm so <laughs> um uh maybe you can kick us off Gina with tell me who was your first ever client I suppose paying client would be uh, I'd mm-hmm. qualify that can, can you remember 
I can. It was um, an, a model's headshot that I did, and his name was Alistair Adair McDougall. Right. I can still remember his entire Gosh. name. <laughs> okay. He was the hottest guy I've ever seen in my life. Really? Yes. Okay. Like gorgeous. And I, I couldn't believe I was being paid to take someone's photo. I could not believe. I was being paid the um, princely sum of $50 for the entire shoot. This is what, 25 years ago? Yes. <laughs> 50 bucks. Wow. And um, I can still remember, I can, st- I, can, I can describe the entire shoot for you. It okay. was just like, it's, it's just burned into my brain. It was so exciting you know, and I was nervous and I just remember like, you know, I was directing him. He was doing everything that I said. He looked into my camera and I actually, I physically gasped when I saw it because he was, he was gorgeous. He was absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> but just the, I was on a high for about another three days after that shoot because wow. it was just the whole shoot. The fact that what I, you know, what I was, I lit it all and, and then I went and processed the, the film and proofed it and had a look and what I saw was, you know, what I got on the proof sheets and everything was very, very exciting. And how did that client come to you? So how did you get that first client? Because that's so the hard part. I got that client by, I, I did, um, I showed my folio around to, to model agents mm-hmm. back then. So... Um, back in the day, that, that, that there wasn't, um, you know, social media. We didn't have online websites. You had to physically go around and uh, knock on doors and yeah. make appointments and show the right people your folio. That's yeah. how we did it. And uh, sometimes it was successful. Other times it wasn't. More often you, you didn't get success and it took many, many, many times of going back and uh, seeing them, you know, and showing them the folio and, and developing a relationship. Mm-hmm. So... If people are interested in getting clients, even mm-hmm. on a part-time basis, because maybe, you know, they have a day job and they're not quite ready to take the plunge and become a full-time photographer, but they'd like to do it on weekends or whatever, yep. what's this first step to, you know, I, I, I'm imagining it's to determine the kind of clients they want or something and then and then taking some kind of step? What are your thoughts on this? Definitely. You, you, well, you, you, you work out what it is or who it is that you want to photograph, you know. Are you going to be a wedding photographer? Do you want to uh, only, only specialise in weddings? Do you want to be a headshot photographer? And then, and then what's your specialty in that area? Do you want to just shoot corporate headshots or models headshots like I did? I started out doing models headshots and actors headshots. That was my specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, are you going to be a family, take family portraits? Do you just want to photograph children? Yep. Um, so work out what it is that you want to do before you work out who, who it is that you need to see to, right. so to, let's to say get the client. Let's say you figured out who you want to shoot, the, you know, right. the kind of people you want to shoot. What's next? So the next step that I would do is research that market and sort of um, find out, uh, what the base rate is, and and you'll find that in any market there's the lower end, and today there's like the really there's low 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 end, and then there's always the extreme high end, and I think you sort of want to come in somewhere in the middle, I guess, a, a, as you're entering into the market. And I don't think you really, I think it's very dangerous to come in and pr- price yourself really low, mm-hmm. and then at the other extreme you don't want to go too high and 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 you know scare people away. So just do your research and, and find out if you can what the going rate is and that's uh I don't know I mean I found out by networking with other photographers at the time and I was lucky enough to be working um you know with a photographer a few photographers assisting for for a couple of years before I started out so I had a good idea of what the going rate was yeah. and then how how I could uh, price myself um to to enter, in, enter into that market so I know that when you you said that when you first started out, you had to go door to door with mm. your portfolio, which you it was a physical thing you had to it carry. Was physical prints, yes. What is it like these days? Do you actually still need that physical portfolio, or you can put, or can you put everything up on your website these days? What things must have changed. 
things have changed a lot. So, you know, and, and I remember um, having the stress of like a client would ring you and they're like, you know, we need to see your folio for this and then because and then, you're up for this particular job mm. and then you knew that your folio didn't have certain images that supported you getting that, that work. Yeah. So you'd be madly scrambling to get photos printed to fit your folio out so it suited that job and then you'd get it couriered across to the client yes. in the hope that they would like it enough to give you that job you know and so uh that doesn't happen anymore and and yet but i mean today i would recommend having a a combination of um the 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 more places your work is Mm. the more chances there are of people seeing you so you know there's 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 lots of different options open but i I think the first the first place to start is with a, a website i think these days yeah and so because anyone can get you can just like link anyone to go and see it straight away yeah. and there it is so you need a good website and it, like i think photographers we can't help ourselves we we get so into the whole website that we forget about making it user friendly yeah because we're all about <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah about- <laughs> i've seen many a photographer's <laughs> website and i want to oh you scream at the end of it. Anyway, go on. <laughs> well, maybe like from a from a, a client perspective, Valerie, what what what's your take on what do you think is a good website for a photographer? Because you've obviously looked at at hundreds, thousands, yeah. even. Like, what are the points that that you would consider to be like? You know, you need to have these these yeah. three or four things on a website. I think ease of use is definitely the overarching thing. And you know, I do remember back in the day when I was calling in. Um, portfolios and I was flicking through them and you know looking at the different types of you know lighting and locations and then styles and all that sort of stuff but it is very different so when I go to a website I want to be able to have a really clear idea of the kind of photography that that photographer you know does but this is the bit that (laughs) really annoys me (laughs) is that I want to be able to look at quite a number of shots so what I can't stand is I have to wait five minutes for the, the uh-huh. a picture to download. So they yep. haven't bothered because they, they want to put their best shot. Yep. They, so they put the largest file and, you know, they need to optimise it for the web because, mm-hmm. you know, clearly I'm not reading something that's in print. It's not being printed in a magazine. So I don't want to have to wait for five minutes for your yep. freaking photo to download. I want to be able to see it very quickly and I want to be able to then browse through because in the old folios you used to be able to flick through them very easily so I want a similar experience obviously it's not tactile and it's not not you know physical but I want to be able to just go click 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 and see other photos not have to click out of something then go back to a gallery and then click on it again and then have to click out of it again you know I think quite a lot of photographers websites uh, that I've noticed they've bought some kind of template or they've bought some kind of you know, uh, some kind of platform where yep. it, where the, the person selling it has done a very good job in selling it to many photographers. Mm. But the reality is actually it's not very user-friendly. So, yeah, from a client point of view, I just want something that's usable. I can see your shots and I can see them in an efficient manner where I don't have to go in and out of so many different pathways just to look at different types of shots. Yeah. That's my little soapbox for the day. I I know. And and I think like as photographers – uh, in our defence, we we, we, we we get hung up on trying to. Um, it's almost like we're trying to please other photographers with our yeah. websites because we want you know other photographers to look at our work and go, wow, that's amazing. And and so you forget all of those things. And I think the other one is uh, that the the websites that try and be too clever. Like I've been to websites where the button where are they they're sort of hidden and yeah. you've got to really like tap around for ages i get really frustrated with those and like i, I heard a stat that the, the average person only spends eight seconds on a website so you, <laughs> so if you haven't got them in that time they'll yeah. move on and so things like loading time and oh. you know ease of use and 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 you know the photos flowing and then showing and showing who you are as a, as a photographer and showing a bit of personality as well I think is important too. I think, yeah, that's a really good point actually, Gina, the personality part of it because when you are hiring a photographer, you often have to spend 
all 12 hours with them. Mm. Or in some cases, like you and I have been on um, assignments where we've had to spend five days with each yeah. other. Yep. So the thing is you do choose your photographer or commission a photographer in s- such situations where where you know you're going to get along with them. So yep. you do want to find out a little bit about that person before you, you know, th- even think that you're going to have a coffee or, or that sort of thing. So, yeah. Y- yeah, I think that some photographers photographers could do well to sell themselves a little bit more and yep. to, you know, showcase a little bit more about what they're about and their personality in, yep. in their bio or in, you know, wherever. It's not just all about the shot. It's actually about the shot and about you. Exactly. And mm. I think a, a good photo of you in, in somewhere in the bio that shows what you look like as well. A good and mm. and not <laughs> not a broody one. <laughs> I know. Because I, and and I think this is across the board for all social media and everything. You know, if you've got that pouty, um, broody, angry-looking shot. People yeah. are going to confuse that for like that's what you're like in every day. Yes. You know? <laughs> or the photographers who refuse to let their face be shown and they just hide behind the you know, a giant camera in front of yeah. their face and you only yeah. see like a you know, a tenth of their face. Yeah, that's not useful. No, and you wonder <laughs> what they're hiding too, I guess. <laughs> okay, so um what yeah, look, there's one thing that you said that you, you know went back in the day you 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 went door to door in a sense. So there's a little bit of cold calling involved. Now I know that I hate cold calling. Mm. You know, I do it in, in in sometimes in my business, in my job as a writer, which is very which is different, but it's a similar concept. And does does that need to happen these days in the world of photography? I think it does. Um, like there's all the other platforms that we'll touch on in a sec, but um, I think to learn the art of cold calling and just get over that fact that you're going to have to call people that you don't know and, and the more you do it, the better you get at it and then you, you actually kind of, uh, it's not as nerve-wracking, but like I, I developed a technique over the years that, that, that made it a lot easier for me to cold call people because when I started, I was actually really nervous and I think that people yeah. would hear that. Yeah. But um, just a, a few techniques that I found when I was cold calling is like first if you're going to go through that and so what I would do is like I would be phoning say modeling agencies or acting agencies to to try and um find you know people who would who would see me Mm. and at the and and um what I would do is I would make a list because I was going through the yellow pages. We didn't have Google to find. <laughs> so I was in the yellow pages and I was uh, writing down all the people and first you'd get to the, you know, the receptionist yeah. and you need to get a name of the person. So the first phone call would be about finding out who the person I needed to speak to was. And so I would ask, you know, who who is the person booking photography here? Mm. And they'd go, you know, it's Jane Smith, original <laughs> name. You go, okay, thanks, hang up. And then maybe the next day or the next – so I'd spend a day doing all my, you know, finding out the names, but mm. then I didn't go and ask for them. I just wanted names. Right. List them all in, you know, in order of all the people, you know, have my diary out and I'd put – when I was calling people, I'd go, right, today I'm going to call and ask to speak to Jane. So is Jane there? And that it's like if Jane wasn't there, do you want to leave a message? I'd never leave a message because mm. Jane's not going to call me back. She doesn't no, know who not. I am. So there's no point leaving a message and it's like, no, do you know when she'll be back? Find out when she'll be back and then call. Another little trick, try and get people before lunch. Right. Okay? Because when people are hungry, they're likely to say no. <laughs> Okay. You, so, so do you mean so, uh, so? And when they're tired, they're likely to say no. So, Sorry. so, so, I'm so if you get them early in the morning, yeah. So you're saying don't like, try and get people before yeah, lunch. Um, try and call before lunch when people are not tired, right? And, so well and before not, lunch, yeah, and they're not starving. And so okay. if you call late in the afternoon, say on a like, never call. Try and set up a meeting on a Friday afternoon. No, everyone's over the week. They're tired. They've had enough. Yeah, they don't want to speak to They'll you. They'll cancel. You know, they uh, and so um, Monday maybe was a bit optimistic. I would try Tuesdays mm. was a good, you know. And then the way you so so Jane's answered the phone and you finally got it. You've got to have. I used to write down my spiel so I wouldn't you know trip over my words because I found the first few times it'd be like, "Hi, um, my name's." 
Jane, no, no, that's your name. <laughs> Sorry, um, <coughs> I'm Gina, and um, uh, and it wouldn't go very well, no. you know, because you just forget what you had to say, and they just go, look, you know, I'm really busy, and they, you know, <laughs> hang up on you. So I would write exactly what I wanted to say. I'd rehearse it a lot of Have times. Have a script. Have a script. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that, um, to I'll be honest, you just speaking then has made me so stressed to think about cold calling um, that <laughs> I, I have to admit I, I, I hate it. Mm. I'm unlikely to do it. Mm. Um, and and I think good on you that you you did it. Um, I'm just trying to cast my mind back because the first time I worked with you was actually because. I was looking for a celebrity photographer in Melbourne or a photographer who would shoot. Um, I think I had a job uh, shooting some actors on Neighbours or something, mm. um, the television show Neighbours. And um, I asked a photographer, I was living in Sydney at the time, I asked a photographer who I had, who I did know, whether he could make a recommendation. And that's yeah. how I came upon you. Mm. So, I mean, what proportion of your work came from things like that, like word of mouth? Or, you know referrals as opposed to cold calling because you know that the idea of cold calling just makes me break out in a cold sweat <laughs> well it, it started with cold calling but also um once you start doing good work your clients start being um your best advertisement they they start talking about you if you're if you're out there doing good stuff mm. word gets out mm. So um, after a while, uh, I, I didn't need to do, do the cold calling and I haven't done any for, you know, years and years and years and years and years. Mm. But, like, it, it's probably it, it's worth mastering and it's worth doing some, to, especially in certain in, industries, mm. um, just to get, get yourself out there and, 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 and it's worth the experience and it's worth um, practising that meeting and telling your story and knowing what your story is and connecting face-to-face with people and developing that relationship because it does work. I mean, I've got one client that I've had for the last um, 10 years that I, I went and saw many, 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 many times and finally about on the sixth, sixth visit, I just, you know, as I built my folio, they finally gave me a job and they've been a really lucrative client for me. So when it comes to, you know, um, dealing with clients, like a client may have an idea for a particular shoot. Now, sometimes it's, it is straightforward because it's a headshot. Yep. But other times it's a little bit more complex because, you know, it's a complicated situation or mm. they want to achieve, achieve a particular look and a particular yep. shot. Yep. How do you, you know, it, there are some clients who can really convey that message, yeah. but often there are clients who just no know vaguely what they mm. want but not really how do you extract from them what they want especially if they can't communicate it really well yep. themselves i actually ask them to bring examples in and i think that's the best way because like you could describe to me you know i want a photo of a white cat sitting on this with this sort of lighting and i could be imagining something completely different mm. you know but once you've got a photo that you can both look at as a reference, then you know there's no there's no mistakes. It's like this this is this is like the look and feel of the shot that we want. Can mm. you achieve this? Yes. And then you then then you know it's easy. And and that's that's I think that's the best way mm. um, to 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 give your client what they want. Do you have any situations where they don't bring stuff in? They say I couldn't find anything, but you know I know what I mean. <laughs> Mm, and then that makes it a lot harder because mm. it's like you know that shot where and you go well and then you're both sort of you know feeling around in the dark really so mm. it, it makes it hard but you've got to hope that eventually you'll you know try and find that for them and if not something better hopefully. well would you then show them shots and say well is it well, like I'd this say, or is, is it, it like, like this are you thinking something like this and i always look for photos you know, because I ask them, like, obviously they've come to me because there's something in my folio that they've liked. Yes. I would hope. Yes. So, so the best shoots are the ones where they say, you know that shot you did of blah, 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 and they'll bring it and they'll say, can you do something for me like this? Yes, I can. That's easy. You know, right. so you hope it's they find something that they've already seen you do that they want you to replicate or improve on. Have you been in many situations where, you know, the client knows that they want to shoot X, like a particular person, whether that's themselves or, you know, someone else that they're working with, and they know that they want a great shot of that person, but they actually, 
have no idea how to style it, have no idea how to even conceive of a stylized kind of shot. Do you then, you know, like I, I know I've seen some of your shots, for example, of the cast of Underbelly, where, mm. you know, which I, I and I loved um, the television series Underbelly, where you've got the whole cast of these, you know, underworld figures, these criminals yeah. or actors playing these underworld figures, um, in a in a in a scene with a card game or in a in a really gritty kind of scene which is clearly set up yep. and and they're all playing their character and and yep. there's actually something happening there's actually a story in yep. that one shot do you, does a client come to you with that or do you conceive of that idea and present to the client and explain, you know, I'd like to shoot it like this. And it's, you know, you, you describe the scenario. They're potentially yep. in a, you know, underground den where they're discussing their yep. next murder. What yep. happens there? Well, it depends on the client, but that one that you've just uh, described, those those shots, mm. they were my idea. So that's my concept. So I'll come back and say, how about like this is where this is what I'm thinking, and it's a cross between you know the Godfather, the Sopranos, mm. and every other you know um, gangster movie I've ever seen. So <laughs> you know, and I can see it so clearly in my head. And then I might. So when I'm pitching that idea to the client, because we'll have meetings and go back forth, back forth with like something that big, it's got to be, you know, all organised because then you've got another crew of 50 who are pulling it all together for you, you know, wardrobe, everything, lighting, all of it. So, um, yeah, we'll, uh, and I will storyboard it for them. So I will mm. pull out shots from, you know, that, that show the client exactly look and feel of what I want to do. And it depends on the client. If it's someone that I've worked with for a long time, I can actually just send them one shot and say, this is what I want to do. Yes, And, and they understand. go, yep. But if it's someone that I haven't worked with, then, you know, I really need to cover all bases and show them lots and lots and lots of different examples. Mm, mm. Now, you've mentioned that you've worked with some clients for a very long time. Mm. Um, <clears throat> what do you what do you think the secret is to getting repeat business? Because, you know, we don't just want that one great gig. You know, we people want to have an ongoing client that will yep. give us give them an income stream in the years to come, ideally. Because, yep. um, you know, un, except for potentially wedding photographers, because you know, hopefully, usually there's only one wedding, or you yep. know, maybe there's yep. only two. But um, other photographers, they want to be, and and just in the world of business, you want to be booked again and again, ideally. Yep. What is the secret? What would say be your top three tips or something to get that repeat business? Well, I think, you know, you're only as good as your last shot. So you make sure that every time you shoot for them, you're, you are bringing in your absolute A game and, and your service is always, you know, impeccable and, and you do your absolute best. I, I, that's, that's, that's my secret, mm. you know, that you, you've just got to keep raising the bar as well. Every time you shoot, you try and improve and develop your style. Like, you know, if I was still shooting the same way I was 10 years ago, I wouldn't be in business today. I've yeah, developed boring. my style and improved and, you know, gone on in, in you know, different, different ways. I've spent, you know, hours and hours and hours improving my uh, post-production techniques and, and mastering new styles of lighting and mm. really changing it up. I think that's so important. And then the whole customer relation thing as well. It's like, you know, because I'm going through working with, you might have the same client, but you're working with, you know, different people who might have that account, you mm. know. So you've got to then develop those relationships as well. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that people sometimes, some photographers forget that because I do agree that you're only as good as your last shot and you want to obviously be bringing your A game to every shoot. Um, but I, I recall working with um, – I, I worked for a while because, you know, we worked well together in the same way you and I worked well together or mm. work well together. Um, and we'll call him Greg. Uh, yep. That's not his name. But yep. we did quite a lot of shoots together because, you know, we did we, we happened to produce that magic. Yes. You know, and, uh, I, I'd produce it but he'd shoot it and I, I, I knew the right stylists. Yep. I knew the right models and, and it was always magic. We, we ended up with covers and great, you know, spreads and all that sort of stuff. And I really enjoyed working with him because I knew that we could produce some great stuff. Yeah. 
But in the end, I actually had to take a step back and I realized I, I stopped booking him because what I noticed was that he and I got along really well and he yeah. treated me, you know, really well and with respect because I, I really was the client. Yes. But he wasn't treating other people well. Oh. And, and I, it took me a few, several shoots before I could really observe it. And when I did observe it, it, it became really obvious to me. It like hit me like a ton of bricks and wow. I observed it even more. You know, once you notice something, yep. it's, <laughs> you really notice it. And I realized that that's, he just wasn't nice to everyone else. Oh. And it was, that, a, it was a real shame because we produced yeah. magical stuff together. That, that's a real shame and, yeah. and that's a, a major no-no because it's like, you know, you need to treat everyone on set like, well, they're all the client. Everyone's the client. Yeah, and even if you've got a stylist or the wardrobe or the whatever, you never know when they're going to be the next fashion editor or something. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, <laughs> and yeah, and everyone is part of your team as well. Don't yeah. You? you know, there's no, I don't think there's no one, like everyone is important. Everyone has a role and everyone should be equal as far as I'm concerned. Even, you know, the assistant as well because they have an important role and if someone's not, not, not pulling their weight, it can, it can really ruin an entire shoot. Like the makeup artist being having the wrong energy or not treating everyone well can actually you know bring the shoot down as well yeah definitely definitely mm. seen that have you um ever been in situations where you know you've said no to certain clients because you know they're happy to pay um mm. and you know you you know you could shoot the kind of thing that they want you to shoot but have you been in a situation where you've said no i don't think so <laughs> you're kind of like the opposite of what i just described uh, there's been a couple and I've had to kind of uh, one, both of them I've had to let go during the shoot. I've had to just turn around and say, look, wow. um, really? I, I can't, I can't give you what you want. I'm going to, um, I'm going to end it here and ask that you find someone else to, to shoot you because they were just, there, there was, there's, there was going to be no pleasing them. Right. There was nothing I could do to please them, and it was it wasn't it wasn't every photographer would have had the same problem with them, but I wasn't prepared to deal with it because I yeah. just knew they would be a Z client. They would be like, a Z client. They would be <laughs> not the just kind a B of or client. A Z. No, they would be the kind of client that you would just like regret for the rest of your life because the, you could never make them happy because they're not happy in themselves. I, I can recognise them now, and I can kind of just say I'm you know, not available or just sort of steer them in an, in another direction, but I, I won't shoot for them. How do you deal with a situation where sometimes if you have a client like me who is an enthusiast, <laughs> a <laughs> photographic enthusiast, <laughs> and um, do you ever have a situation where a client who kind of thinks that they know what they're doing kind of starts directing the shoot and yeah, or, or or tries to suggest that you use this particular filter or whatever, yep. you know, and clearly you are the pro, mm. but they're offering suggestions that maybe they probably shouldn't be. Yep. Uh, it happens every now and then. It's not often the client. Some like If it's an art director, that's perfectly fine. That's their job to do that. If it's a publicist, that's also perfectly fine. I think it's their, their job to to. It, it's and but it's also the way they do it. Mm. But I, I'm I'm quite happy to share ideas, and if someone sees something that I think that they think will work, I'm happy for them to 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 suggest it. But it's also in the way they suggest it. So and it's often um, yeah. There's there's a there's a kind of person, and it's not usually the client. It's usually someone like a makeup artist or a stylist that might want to take over the shoot. Right. Yeah. And they're the ones that are going. I think the lighting should be here. And da da da. Oh and yeah. 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 <laughs> I've got a got a I've got the the Sicilian stare comes out. <laughs> You know it, you know it, Valerie. Oh yes, I've seen the Sicilian stare. So, so Scary. for those of you who haven't experienced it, it's um, my mother taught me, <laughs> and um, this is how I interrogate my children. They're not; they're adults now, so I don't need to interrogate them. But it was very effective. <laughs> Basically, you are smiling, but the smile never reaches your eyes. So the eyes are dead cold and dark, <laughs> and there's a smile, and it really confuses people and it throws them because it like their brains going. Oh, this person's smiling at me. She's really liking what, and then they catch their eyes and they go, "No, no, I think she wants to kill me." Now she's <laughs> not happy, and it, it, yeah, 
Grown men weep. That's evil, Gina. <laughs> it is an evil smile. So that I'll stop the shoot and just smile at them like that. And it usually, sometimes it takes a couple of goes, but they usually, you know, they, they get the point. <laughs> now, I, I know a couple of photographers. They may not be at your level, but they're good, you know. I, I, I know their stuff. I've seen their stuff. They're good photographers who are certainly good enough to be getting gigs. Yep. And yet they're not doing that, you know. They're not charging as much as they should be. They're not getting as many gigs as I know that they're worthy of. Yep. And it just drives me bonkers because I know that they've got the goods. They've got the, they're not only nice people, they've got the technical ability to yep. pull off the job. What do you think is holding some of these people back or why isn't it happening for these people? Well, like a lot of artists, and, and I'm going to put myself in, in here as well, is there, there is there is this, um, and it, it has to do with how you've brought up or, or what people have said around you but like people have this fear of self-promotion they're just afraid of um getting themselves out there um i don't know for fear of rejection or that it's uh seen as bragging Mm. rather than marketing and and it's like i know that that growing up uh, i was always taught to never sort of say stuff like never talk about yourself because that's bragging and Mm. that's like that's not polite it's not polite to do that so that whole notion of getting yourself out there um, and I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm uncomfortable about it sometimes <laughs> still, you know, getting myself out there. And so people feel vulnerable. And mm. I think that's probably the first thing that, that uh, we all need to learn to get over. And I think the best way I heard it um, um, said was that, that uh, if you have a skill and you're good at something, yeah. um, it's actually you're doing the world a service by sharing that work and showing it to people. So if you look at just the art of like getting your work out there and online and just letting people see it, you're making people happy. Mm. It's not, that's not bragging or boasting. You're just sharing something lovely that you did and people are going to see that. And the other thing that people are really attracted to is passion so if yeah. you're sharing your work and sharing your story, and I think you know a lot about this, Valerie, about the the the, the, the sharing your personal story and how important it is just to have a little that little elevator pitch when you meet people. You yeah, know, that's, that says who you are, what you do, but also like always be prepared when when you're in any social situation and have. The folio, there's no excuses today. We all have phones and phones also have the ability to carry images on them. I've always got a, fo- uh, a folio on my phone mm. and you can also, you know, if you don't have a phone, you don't want to carry a phone around, you can carry a little mini book or at the very least uh, cards, business cards that actually have a few photos on them. And then whenever you're meeting people, it's not bragging to tell people what you love to do. Mm. You know, I love photographing flowers. Mm. I love these flowers, that flowers, you know, those flowers. And I love them at sunrise, especially when the light's golden. And and when you ever meet someone who talks about what they love to do, that's so um, attractive. I I find it really attractive. Yeah, passion is infectious. It is so infectious. Mm. Like, I love it. And I could listen to someone talking about, you know, even if it's like the the quirkiest thing, it doesn't matter. I'm always attracted to that and I will continue to talk to those people. So don't be afraid to get out there and talk about what it is that you love to do and you will be amazed at where, you know, where that could lead you in terms of finding business and uh, the next job. It's never going to come from where you expect Never. Yeah. It'll always come from that obscure place. So to recap, what I'm hearing is, number one, you should have a website. If you want to get business and get clients as a photographer, you should have a website. Because, as a start. Yeah, as a start because you need to showcase your work in an easy yep. way and that's one easy way. Number two, the one I have the most issue with, I will admit, is the cold calling. So obviously cold calling people where, you know, whether it's modelling agencies or, you know, um, pet grooming places if you are going to be a pet photographer or whatever cold calling the right people and that's where I know that's an obstacle for me number three is networking 
yep. you know, making sure you get out there and just talking to other, not not only other photographers, but just people, your family and friends and telling them what you do because you never know, you know, that whether Uncle Bill can refer you to a potential client. I'll tell you an acronym, Frank, Go to on. remember who didn't add. So Frank, great name. That's my dad's name. But friends, mm-hmm. relatives, associate, neighbours and kids. In that, that's your social network that you're closest to. Right. In amongst those people, that's where you're going to find work. That's right. where you're going to find your first gigs if you're starting out. They're the people that you should be seeing first. That's your first port of call. They're going to then lead you on to the next stage. So friends, relatives, associates, neighbours and, and kids. kids. Fantastic. Absolutely. Mm. Um, then I'm hearing that you should have your portfolio. Now, obviously, your portfolio might be on your website because that's obvious, but um, I think you made a good point. Have a folio or mini version of your folio on your phone these days yep. because yep. it's it's just you can just flick through it so easily, you know, compared to lugging around those big things that, that used to get lugged around. And, yeah, you'll be amazed at what, how many people will just say, hey, you know, you're in conversation, what are you doing? You go, well, hang on, I happen to have it. I've picked up jobs in coffee shops on holidays, it's sitting next to people on the plane, you know, I'm not afraid to, you know, whip out the phone and go, here, this is what I do and, like, it works. Oh, yeah, I, I, I believe you picked up a fashion client because you met them in Bali. I met them in Bali and… Just on uh, holiday. Yes, just on holiday and mm. uh, there it was, I had my folio and uh, there you go. On your phone? On my phone. Wonderful. Mm. And and finally, of course, you know, you do this naturally, but it's something that I think we should be encouraging other photographers to, to, to identify and talk about, like a version of your elevator speech that is your passion story. What are you passionate about in terms yep. of photography? Yep. And be able to identify and articulate that because, as we've just said, passion is infectious and people know that you're not just in it, you know, for the money, even though there's nothing wrong with money. We love money. Mm. It's you, You're bringing a care factor yep. because of that passion. You're bringing something extra to the table. You're bringing some ideas that, you know, um, that that a, another photographer may not bring if you, because you have that passion. So yeah, mm. great. Nice little package for and, how to get clients. And don't forget social media, but I, like the, the, there's a whole, <laughs> I think there's a oh, whole we, show yeah. that I'm we can go media. into all the different ways that you can get yourself out there using social media as well. Well, we'll have to save that show for another yes. day. Yes. So that brings us to the end of our podcast this week. Now, if you have a question for Gina, we'd love to hear from you. Just email us news at com, and of course you can um, check out Gina's website com. that's M-I-L-I-C-I-A and uh, you're at Gina Militia on Twitter aren't you Gina? Yes I am I'm at Valerie Koo. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Give us your feedback on what you'd like to hear more of in future episodes um, because we'll definitely do our best to bring them to you. So uh, thanks for chatting to us today, Gina. Thank you, Valerie. Thanks, everyone. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.